Since this new widely publicized story about Hans Asperger and his link to the Nazi party went viral, I've seen some very disturbing things online that I think need to be cleared up. But before I begin, I want to make sure that people who have a diagnosis of Asperger's should not be confused with the person for which the condition is diagnosed. People with Asperger's are not Nazis. They are not white supremacists, although I guess they could be, but that's not the rule. And they are in no way personally affiliated with Hans Asperger. And he didn't actually name the set of symptoms Asperger's. Lorna Wing did, although she did it based on his clinical presentations and his notes. And if she knew he was associated with a Nazi party and supported them, she never would have. Some things were just revealed, and there were reports of Hans Asperger helping children escape the Nazis, and I think Lorna Wing looked up to him because of these reports. But in other cases, the opposite happened. I'll get into it, but I'm kind of thinking that Hans Asperger never wanted his name to be associated with Asperger's to begin with. If you have a diagnosis of Asperger's and you want to keep it, that's up to you, but it doesn't mean you're committing allegiance to the Nazi party. Do not let anyone accuse you of being a Nazi or being affiliated with one. If you do, and someone says this to you, please send me your story over email because I want to keep track of all these things. So let me explain in this podcast. This week in the journal Molecular Autism, a scholar named Herwig Zeck at the Medical University of Vienna in Austria published some incriminating information which links Hans Asperger with the Nazi party. This scholar poured through documents associated with Hans Asperger. He looked at translations of past documents, and this includes medical case reports, letters, personal files, personnel files, and even Nazi documents. It also included documents from inpatient and outpatient files, and those of the Siegelgrund facility, which was later found out to be a euthanasia factory. This will be more important later. All of these documents have, of course, existed for the past 80 years, but haven't really been closely examined until now. I will also say that there have been rumors for years around Hans Asperger's associated with the Nazi party, and something was even mentioned about it in Steve Silberman's book, Neurotribes. But even before that, there were early accusations of his alliance to Nazi ideology. However, Steve Silberman doesn't really delve into it or prove or disprove anything the way this recent article did. And without actual data and a thorough investigation, most of these accusations went unfounded. There were some in Germany written in German that used Asperger's clinical reports to draw a line between Nazi race ideology, but they also say that Asperger was a man who advocated on behalf of his patients and called for loving care of them. So clearly, there are different stories, and they might all be true. I also want to mention this. The article with all the evidence is 43 pages long, including references and sources. So given Dr. Cech's incredibly in-depth investigation, his access to documents previously unseen, and his role as a historian without any particular bias about Asperger's or the Nazi party, I'm inclined to believe what I read in this paper. Anyway, this is what it says. So first, early in his career, Asperger had a close contact with fervent Nazis, which was not all that uncommon in 1932 Austria. And these contacts, specifically someone named Franz Hamburger, were the ones that gave him his first early career promotions. Asperger himself was a Catholic who was part of many Catholic organizations, but he also belonged to medical associations which excluded Jewish doctors. But before 1938, there is no documentation that he was a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer. So there's that. Asperger himself said the Gestapo visited him several times and forced him to turn over his patients to the officials. 
He was a Catholic, and this made him very undesirable to Nazis. They wouldn't have sent him to a concentration camp, but they weren't exactly thrilled with him either. The Nazis investigated him in 1938 and then found that he had a spotless record of political accommodation to the Nazi National Socialist Party. And because of his affiliation with Franz Hamburger, he was declared politically reliable and the Nazi Socialist Party directly offered him a promotion, which meant their party had to approve of his postdoctoral thesis work. So none of these things alone mean he did anything particularly vile other than sympathize with with the Nazi party at a time when it was rampant all over Austria and Germany or keep his mouth shut, but it does set the stage. There's also evidence that he didn't persecute any of his Jewish patients during the war, but he also didn't necessarily sympathize with their situation. He attributed their panic, phobias, and anxiety to Hitler's regime as being, quote-unquote, troubles with constitution. Again, maybe he was an asshole, but it does get a little bit more interesting later. In lectures he gave, he mentioned that restrictive measures should be taken, and he talked about stopping certain individuals from, quote, transmitting their diseased hereditary material to future generations, unquote. He was a strong believer in the hereditary basis of, in his words, the condition, in an era when eugenics based on genetic factors was being pushed by the national government. On one hand, he's standing up for his scientific beliefs. He believes that it's hereditary. On the other hand, he's kind of putting a target on the back of anyone that has what is now known as autism or Asperger's syndrome because a more pure race was desired. However, many passages quote him as saying that people should stand up for those with mental disorders and conditions, and he did advocate for them to be helped to ensure that they, quote, fulfill their duties and live as productive individuals, unquote. He often called for rehabilitation of those with higher intellectual functioning. But what about those whose disabilities were so impairing that they, in his mind, couldn't be rehabilitated? His colleagues recommended concentration camps and asylums, and Asperger stayed quiet on this issue. Public health offices in Nazi Germany collected information on what was known as the Hereditary Index, which directed race hygiene measures against those deemed inferior hereditary quality, in those words. When someone with autism was identified, sometimes they got sent to a facility called Spiegelgrund, a psychiatric hospital in Vienna headed by a Nazi named Erwin Jekyllius, a former colleague of Asperger's. It became a collecting point for children who did not conform to the regime's criteria of quote-unquote racial purity. From 1940 to 1945, 800 children died at that institution. They were either poisoned or otherwise murdered. So here's where it gets interesting. Asperger evaluated and referred his children to this facility. These euthanasia practices were officially a secret, and in some cases, parents did not know what was going on at Spielgungrunt. Did Asperger know? Given his connections to those who ran the clinic and his general knowledge of the activities of these clinics in the community, even though it was a quote-unquote secret, probably yes, he did. Was there anything he could have done? Well, he didn't have to send them to this facility. Also, he didn't really try to do anything to perk up the reports so that these children didn't appear as hopeless as other physicians and the well-oiled euthanasia machine were making them out to be. No, in most cases, he either agreed with or made more negative evaluations in deeming them unrehabilitatable. He used words like feeble-mindedness in a time when those words were deadly. But yes, he was nicer and more compassionate than his colleagues. So there you have it. 
Now, some people have argued, okay, this is all in war-torn Austria, and let's say that under duress, people do things they shouldn't do, and they don't really mean to do it, even if it's inexcusable and it still doesn't reflect on your character. I'm not sure I believe that. In fact, frankly, the way you act during times of duress does reflect your real character, but I didn't live in 1940 to 1945 Nazi-run Germany, so I could just shut my mouth. What about after the war? Well, after the war, he was one of those doctors that would pull children away from their families, despite the family's desire to keep their children with them and put them into facilities, asylums, and other institutions. He was incredibly harsh in his assessments and their future potential. He labeled many children as defective and sent them to institutions. It doesn't appear that he was optimistic about many of the futures of his patients. His denial of persecution and violence of the war was fairly typical at this time. So was he a hero or was he a potential war criminal? Well, I think maybe both might be true. He did, in some cases, fight to protect people with autism or Asperger's. In other cases, he sent them to their death at a eugenics facility. What made the difference? How did he make this decision? Maybe he had one of the few insights on the heterogeneity of autism, and that's why some people with higher abilities were rehabilitatable and others were not. Was it based on IQ? Was it based on facial abnormalities? Did they have a genetic syndrome? Well, I'm not going to speculate, but I think the reputation of hero and sympathizer might possibly both be true. Regardless of your interpretation of this, it's out there. And the author himself says that, in fact, the term Asperger's should not be written rid of. His opinion is that we all need to be aware of this person for which the condition was named. I'm not sure, after reading the article by Dr. Check, that he would want his name associated with the condition, so maybe there's karmic justice in that. I do think it's fair to say he wasn't necessarily a total hero, but he may not have been as bad as the others, like Franz Hamburger. If you're a person with Asperger's, or had Asperger's, or identify with Asperger's, please remember you're not a Nazi, and nobody, at least nobody with half a brain, thinks you're a Nazi, and shouldn't prevent you from speaking loud and proud if you are proud about your abilities and disabilities. Sometimes just linking of the word Asperger and Nazi in the media may cause some confusion. It may also be that children that Asperger saw were actually not those with Asperger syndrome, as some of the descriptions of these individuals seem like they were more severely affected. Maybe he was a hero for what is now known Asperger's, but a criminal for the more severely affected. But just know This was his role, his involvement, and his affiliation with some of the nastiest people in world history. Michael John Carley, a self-advocate, gave an interview to Disability Scoop and said what I hope to be true. Quote, a large percentage of people on the spectrum understand that our sense of self-worth is not derived from a total stranger, despite the fact that his name is associated with Asperger's. Now, I'm a little reluctant to add anything else to this podcast, given the tone and the seriousness of the topic, but there are two new studies out this week. One on gender differences across the lifespan, and another about a new genetic mutation looking at genes that don't even code for proteins in people with autism. And next week, I'm going to interview Tom Frazier from Autism Speaks about the efforts to run clinical trials. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.